if you're out there in a church, whether it's a mainstream kind of a church that's well-known or whether it's some little country church and there is no acceptance there for you and you feel like that no one cares and no one knows, that's not true. There is hope for you. And you have to sincerely and truly allow God to do his work in your life and love you because he does. No matter what your supposed deficiencies to society are, he loves you. There are people who care. There are, um, and you know, Matthew, on the, on the podcast somewhere, if you wanted to give out my email address, I'm happy for you to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I could try to help people, but you don't have to earn your way in with God. There's someone who we just celebrated his resurrection because he became your sin and you are good enough. And um, people will listen. Pastors out there, listen to the people who are hurting because that's the most of the people that you're going to get is people who are hurting. So hopefully that's helpful. Hello, you're listening to History and Hope, a Baptist perspective on history, culture, and theology. I'm Mark West. I'm Matthew Lyon. And today's episode is an interview with Pastor Rich Damey, uh, centering on his experience in Jack Trevor's church. Yeah, so Mark and I have known Rich Damey since I was 12 and you were 10. I don't know how much younger you are than me. I'm four years younger than you. Okay, so, so you're eight. And he was our youth pastor, and now he's he's also my brother-in-law. So we've known him, I guess, 25 years had quite a few shenanigans together. So he agreed to come on and talk about his experiences in the youth group, growing up in the youth group in, at North Valley Baptist Church under Jack Trevers' leadership and just sort of the abuse that he suffered, emotional, spiritual abuse, and then also a little bit of experiences after that. So this was, it was interesting because he's family and we've known him forever, but this is how, so his abuse affected us growing up because he was our youth pastor, which means Jack Treber's ministry is hurting people outside of his own ministry. It's coming into other churches through people who are having to deal with these same problems. So uh, listen to this. And uh, I thought it was really good and very gospel centered. He is a, um, he's a gospel preacher. All right, Rich, uh, why don't you just give us a little bit of background info where you work, where you serve now and sort of where you grew up and maybe a little bit of a brief history of where you've been. Okay. Well, I'm a pastor of, I think as American standards would go a mid-sized church in um, a very rural area in Western New York. And um, that's my primary, um, would you say ministry and calling. Um, In addition to that, I am a full-time employee at the local public school district. Um, and I work in the office of the principals, uh, plural, um, of the middle school. So I see a lot there, have a lot of contact with the community that way. And um, I grew up in the Silicon Valley in California um, at North Valley Baptist Church. So just on that, when did you start going there? Well, uh, we started attending there. Um, my sister and I went to the Christian school before we started attending the church. Um, Dr. Treber was the music director at the church where we were attending, and he left to pastor that church. He was called to pastor that church. And so I would say within maybe a year or two, uh, my parents joined over at North Valley. Wait, so, so Jack Treber didn't start North Valley. He went, he took it over. Well, two churches merged together. There was one that was the Clyde Avenue Baptist church and then, um, North Valley. And I, I'm pretty sure of that is the history, but, uh, the whole inception of it was North Valley Baptist. And, um, I couldn't tell you the year, to be honest, I think. It was 1977, but I, I can't I can't be for certain about that. Okay, and you were about what age? I was I was eight when we started attending the school, nine when we started attending uh, the church. Okay, so it's and then how long were you there? 
Well, till I graduated um, from high school, went to Bible college. My parents stayed there until the year before I got married. So that would have been about 79 until I got married in 98. So they were there till about 97, 98, something like that. A good 20, 22 years that they were there all together. Mm-hmm. So you, there, you were there until you went off to college. And right. you went off to the prestigious, world-renowned. Well, well, first I went to Bob Jones for a year. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. I did. And then uh, I went, I, 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 long story about that one. I felt so much guilt <laughs> for being there mm-hmm. and it wasn't the chosen place to go. So I transferred to uh, Hiles Anderson, graduated from there, did uh, graduate studies at Pensacola and did uh, most of my doctoral work at Pensacola also. So you've been everywhere. All the, all those big names. Yeah, you yeah, know it all. Much. And then yeah. while you were in Florida, you, you worked at a church in Florida. I did my first year. That would have been, um, uh, 93, 94 and no, wait, yeah, 93, 94. Um, that church is no longer there, but there were quite a few, uh, big name people that they were down there at the same time. Hmm. Um, the CLA was based out of that church at that time. Oh, so Gibbs. Yes. He was there. Okay. Uh, Dave Hiles was Hmm. there. What a coincidence. He was, my, he was my soul winning partner for a while when I was on staff at that church. <sighs> yeah. I, I remember your stories. So him. <laughs> yeah. His, one of his, his stepchildren was actually in my class that I was teaching. Hmm. I taught fifth grade there. So had some uh, staff dealings and parent teacher dealings there as well. That's another podcast. Um, yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, so then you went, you left Florida and you came to Maryland, right? Yeah. That, that school went to a members only school. Um, so I was the junior mm. staff member. So I, you know, it, I didn't leave negatively. I still have very fond memories of that pastor who's no longer in the IFB movement, by the way. Mm. Um, he was a good man. And, um, has since come on with a, I, he may have his own podcast or the old way is television show. You know what I'm saying? Kind of a yeah. televised services and apologize to a lot of people for hurting them. Wow. In that okay. church. Yeah. So good for him. Yeah. And um, uh, so a mutual friend of my, my sister and I uh, kind of worked it out. We got a job at the same school, same Christian school teaching. And little did we know, uh, we both got a job at the same school at the same time. So that brought me to Maryland. And, Where we uh, met. Right. Yes. I think I was 12 years old. You were 12. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, I was 12. I was 24. Yeah. And you became the youth pastor, correct? A few yeah. years later. By and by, yeah. Anyway, we were, we were, um, you were always trying to get me to do the right thing, and I was always trying to do the opposite of that. Well, I, half the time I was breaking the rules, the other time I was trying to keep them, and you right. were there the whole time trying to yeah. manage it. <laughs> I remember some of those instances rather well. Several I mean, long, long late night conversations. Oh, my goodness. You know, looking back, and this is for everybody who's listening, the stuff we got in trouble for. Like, I hope my kids do that. Like, I hope that's oh, the worst my kids do. If I could aspire to that kind oh of greatness goodness. for my children. <laughs> but the, the level of anxiety and trauma and fear, we might have well have been like ripping off cars or breaking into houses or something like. Well, that would just be winning. Yeah. For the magnitude <laughs> right or of, worse. The, of the sin uh, for listening to Christian contemporary music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. So anyway, um, and so we've known each other since then. And then you actually married. Well, I don't know how you want to talk about family. Sure. Yes. I am. I'm married to uh, Matthew Lyon's sister, Leslie. That's and, really how we got to know each other when that whole thing. Well, because Matthew was my date chaperone, not my date that, that he chaperoned all of my dates or most of my dates with uh, 
with uh, my then girlfriend slash fiance. So, um, so he was always trying to make sure I was doing the right thing too. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I was the perfect chaperone. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to go along to get out of the house. Right, get out of the house and get free McDonald's. That's and all it. That. I was happy. Yeah. Um, all right, so back to your the ministry you were in in California. Even to now, I have warm feelings for a lot of people in that ministry. Um, when you are in the middle of a high-profile ministry, you just think that's how it's supposed to be. You know, I'm not even sure where to begin on that. And, you know, I, I, I would like to say this because I don't know who all will listen to the podcast, but, you know, I'm not here with an ax to grind. I'll tell you, I, Matthew, you know me well enough. Mark, you know me well enough. That's not my personality. You know, what's done is mm-hmm. done. You know, I'm, I don't want to go back. And, you know, I just listened to another podcast today about people who are suing the churches that they're coming from. And, and I feel like in this day and age, I definitely have a case I could, you know, but mm. that's not, I, that's not, that's not what I want. The person that I'm trying to reach out to is that person who thinks that they're wrong, but there's something inside of them that's telling them, no, this is wrong right mm. now. Yeah. And, you know, I think that if I were to be completely honest, there's not one person who was the one who was wrong. Um, I feel like uh, Brother Treber is very himself moral. He's, he's an absolute perfectionist kind of person. If you've ever visited that campus, it's absolutely pristinely beautiful. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. everything is perfect everywhere. And I have tendencies that way. So that's, that is um, appealing to me. You know what I mean? And, um, but the thing is with that is growing up in that kind of time, especially this time when I was growing up, it was kind of an emergent ministry. It wasn't quite so famous, you know, Mm. um, Jack Hiles had a huge influence on that ministry. And, um, you know, it was very, very control driven. Everything is under someone's control. There's nothing that can happen. Um, that's just an organic happening of something, you know? Um, I remember one time, um, I got up because I was sick. I was a good kid. I think that if, if, if anyone, if you would ask anyone that was there at that church, they would say, yeah, he was a good kid. I did not cause any trouble. And I'm sure people listening who are going to be offended by the podcast, they'll find something, you know, but, (laughs) you know, but growing up there from grade four through 12th grade, then while I was a young adult, you know, um, I don't know that anyone has a whole lot of things that they could say, you know, um, one of the chief abuser there even said to me, you've always had a good attitude. That's nice to hear from, you know, your abuser. Of course, it's a control mechanism as well. But at the same time, you know, all that kind of thing. But um, I got up because I was going to, you know, lose my lunch proverbially. And, you know, they said, stop him. Usher, stop him. I said, (laughs) okay, stop me. I threw up in the auditorium. Yes. There it is. Yes. There's your proof. There's your proof. Okay. But everything was everything was completely under control. Everything had to be a certain level. And so here I'm growing up, you know, you had to be that certain kind of person, you know, girls, you have to be skinny guys. You have to be athletic. You know what I mean? Well, Matthew and Mark, both of you, you know, I love playing sports, but that is not my gift at all. You know what I mean? I don't have a lot of skill as far as that goes, but I love going out there and having a good time. You know, when, you know, when you can just have a good time, you know, Um, but I didn't have that, you know, Um, quite candidly, I grew up influenced very heavily by women. So, you know, admittedly, there was some, some more feminine tendencies that today's culture, particularly Baptist culture, and I'm not saying Christian culture because it's not Christ, right? would label, but that's a very cultural thing. Do you know what I mean? Yep, yep. 
And so even that young man who knows inside of himself that he's okay, mm-hmm. but everyone else is telling him that he's not, you're okay. You know, don't let the out, you know, listen to Jackie Hill Perry. I've never heard anyone in my life give a more pure and meaningful representation of the gospel of Jesus Christ than her, you know, and just, you know, here's a little commercial. I'm not into Christian rap and all that kind of thing. That's (laughs) not my, that's not my bag, you know, but, but she was, it was just, you are okay out there. You know, um, when we get to heaven, it's not going to be like, did you walk the way that everyone thought you should walk? Did you hold your shoulders this way? Or girls, did you keep your weight to, you know, um, a certain amount? No. What think ye of Christ? And that's the whole, you know, the last couple of years in pastoring people, you know, you, you live a show, you learn a show, you show a show. And then, but then the show runs out, you know, there's only so many episodes to a show. And then it's just like, I'm not doing any good here, but I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So then you think, hmm, maybe I should really get to know Jesus Christ, you know? And then when you really unlock the grace of God, and this is going to be hard to talk about, and you actually understand that you personally are loved by the creator. Yeah. Yeah. That is life-changing. Yep. And I don't have to live up to the creator because he said, hey, let me take all of your unrighteousness and put it in these hands that have holes for you where I was nailed to a cross for those unrighteousness. Let mm-hmm. me become that for you. And, you know, once you start to actually know Jesus Christ, a lot of that other stuff, it just starts to roll away. You know what I mean? You would say that the ministry culture at North Valley wasn't, was the opposite of that. Okay. I'm going slowly here. It was not anything about grace there. It was about lots of salvations. It was about, I believe that that version of the gospel, it's that, that the gospel was a one-time experience Do you know what I'm saying? Which was conversion. I'm not here to say that, you know, all those people that got saved didn't get saved. I'm not here to say that. That's not Mm -hmm. even for me to say or judge or anything. That I feel like there's a lot of sincerity about giving out the gospel. I feel like that's true. But there was also a lot of people who would just attack people who needed to allow the Holy Spirit to do his job. And they were forced into something. So, and not everyone, don't get me wrong. But I mean, it was that. And then once you were saved and baptized, member of the church, you know what I mean? I think that, you know, you just had, you, it was, then it was time for conformity. It was not time for transformation. It was time for conformity. And if you didn't measure up, you saw those people filter out. Mm-hmm. Either you became this glamorous story of, you know, the redemptive love of Jesus Christ, because, you know, you actually made it because you could put on that visage of, look, I made it, you know what I mean? But then you could, you you could tell story after story, after story, after story, after story of these people who they were the the chosen ones. They were the ones who are making, and most of them, most of them, I'm talking about from my era. And I want to qualify that most of them just totally wiped out. You know, if they knew about, Mm -hmm. The young people who were sleeping around and, you know, the staff that was sleeping with teenagers and, and other things, you know what I mean? And, you know, but hey, don't you dare listen to Christian contemporary music because we're going to call you out of chapel and ask you if you've listened to it. And then you get suspended if you did. Hmm. Well, some of that same stuff that we would have gotten in trouble for plays on the radio station now, hmm. you know, Southern gospel and things like that. You know what I mean? Just like, I mean, everything was blackballed back then. I mean, totally, totally blackballed. Yeah. And the way the leadership at the church was set up, I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but it was top down. It was at the top. He was in control. Yes, absolutely. And you did not question. You did not question anything. Like Mm -hmm. as far as, you know, um, 
youth group and all that kind of a thing. You drop your kids off at seventh grade, you pick them up when they graduate from high school. You know what I mean? And that whole philosophy, and, and, I, and I blame, you know, First Baptist of Hammond for this, because I, I remember sitting there at pastor school when I was a student, and they're saying, you know, as uh, children um, become more independent from their parents, we want to fill up that gap. You know what I mean? So, which sounds like the right thing. Sure. If they're not at home, they want to be at church. But when there's a hierarchy there that is dangerous and it is very subversive against the family, whether, I mean, it is meant to be that way or whether it's not, you know, it's not what the parents say. If you're, you, I mean, you went to the school, you just did, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And if you've read publications about, you know, homeschool students, you know, even people who preach there, you know, they, they make fun of homeschool. I mean, openly people, I'll, I'll say Tony Hudson makes fun of them, you know, um, along with all of his crude humor in the pulpit, but that's mm-hmm. okay because, you know, he's famous. He'll get people to come to the conference to listen to his humor and entertainment. And I'm sorry to say that it's not preaching. No. Okay. It's entertainment. There's no, there's no gospel in that, you know? Um, and I, and I'm, again, I'm not saying these to be, these things to be hurtful, but at the same time, no one cares about when they're preaching who they're hurting. Mm, yeah. You know, they yeah. don't care if they're hurting people and said, okay, homeschoolers don't get nervous. We're not nervous. We're sickened by you. Right. You know? Yeah. And, um, you know, there was in the school is where a lot of the abuse was taking place. The, the North Valley is Christian. School. Yes. Yeah. At the Christian school. Yeah. And Jack Trieber would have been in charge of that too. He would have controlled that. Well, it, he was in control of everything and he still is, you know what I mean? Yeah. Everything, you know what I mean? And, you know, and I can't say that that's such a horrific thing. Well, it just means you know responsibility. I mean? That's what I'm getting at. I, I think so. Well, I mean, there was always a principal. I mean, his wife um, was, was a principal in the school on when I was there. Um, she was initially, but then that was the time when they were having children, you know, she had little babies and all that kind of thing and, yeah. and, and all that kind of thing. So she was absent a lot of that time, but then came back and did a lot in the school, you know? Um, but, you know, there was, there were several other people and it was always this fear. Hmm. It was always fear. I remember um, one time, you know, Paul Chapel was the principal there when I was in, eighth and ninth grade, I think maybe eighth and ninth grade. And I remember just going into chapel and just getting reamed out so bad, the whole student body and all that kind of thing. And I was just, I wasn't trying to do anything wrong. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I was scared to death, you know, because then if you questioned anything or stood up for yourself, like I'm not doing anything wrong. You know, or at least in this very one situation, I'm innocent in this. I didn't cheat on this test or I didn't right. do that. I'm not part of this. I'm not I'm not part of those two kids where there was marijuana and they got expelled. You know what I'm saying? Just like, OK, I'm not part of that. You know, if you questioned anything, stood up for yourself, anything, it was this fear, this aggressive fear to intimidate you. And if if you said called anyone else out then, you know, you had spiritual problems and, you know, Mm. you can intimidate a teenager and convince them of anything, you know, especially when, you know, the youth pastor was just, you know, idolized by everyone. And if he wasn't, then you had spiritual problems, Mm. you know, and the control and, you know, and that's what led to my abuse. You know what I mean? You don't say anything to your parents. You don't say anything to your parents, you know, because I mean, your parents don't know what they're doing anyways. After all, you know, my parents were older anyways. They were, what, 30 years older than the youth pastor? The, of course, they didn't know anything about raising children. You know what I mean? He did. Hmm. And he didn't hmm. have any children at that time. You know what right. I mean? So, right. Yeah. So that was the narrative is trust the pastor, trust the principal, trust the youth pastor. Right. Keep your head down. Be quiet. Do what you're told. Because they're the spiritual authority. So if you defy it, then you're, you have a spiritual problem. You're right. Defying, you're defying God. If it's a spiritual problem, you're talking about right. God at that point. Right. 
touch not the Lord's anointed. Yeah. The she bears will come out of the woods, the whole thing. Yeah. So just you know. uh, for our listeners, that's spiritual abuse. If you're wondering what spiritual abuse is, it's when you hurt people using your spiritual authority in a religious position. Um, you, you weaponize God against people of faith. So, okay. So then, so you're in high school there and what happened? Oh, where do you start? Well, I did not fill that role as the ideal North Valley person. So there was a lot of ridicule there. There was a lot of uh, beratement. Um, it kind of started out when it started to turn into abuse was, you know, the youth pastor there that was currently ser- serving um damaging, <laughs> abusing, molesting, fill in the blank, called my sister and I into his office and said, I'm concerned that your relationship is sexual. Your parents weren't there. My parents were not there. Are you kidding? Of and course, you, your parents are not there. And how old were you about? 14 or 15. <laughs> and... I mean, you know how, Matthew, you and Mark both know how I am. I was just like, what? Yeah. No, that's not it. So I looked at my sister, and you both know her as well. Mm -hmm. Very different personality, very outspoken. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She was like, "Uh, I don't think so. You know, what kind of a pervert are you? You know, to even (laughs) say that to two teenagers. You know what I mean? Well, okay, so there was a case of that in of incest in this in, in that ministry, but it was a parent thing mm. and it had been taken care of and that that parent was in jail. So does that mean we go on a witch hunt to find out who else is having an incestuous relationship? That's what I'm saying? Yeah. And um it's not even like I was very overtly close to my sister, you know, for it to be like that, or we were not yeah. physical and all that kind of thing, you know? And that was a Wednesday. And of course on Wednesdays you go teen soul winning right after school and stay through and and have dinner at the church. And we liked doing that. We, we really enjoyed that. So we did Mm -hmm. that also bus visitation on Saturdays all day, you know, not all day, but for a good portion of, 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 uh, of the day till the afternoon. And then of course, Sunday it was bus ministry, but anyhow, that was a Wednesday and both my sister and I and some other uh, kids were, we had a yearbook meeting and it was a required meeting. So we went to this yearbook meeting, um, at another location. It was like a seminar, not just a a, a club. It was a, and I didn't say anything about all that. It was just so humiliating. I did not say anything, but if, you know, my sister is not going to keep that in. So she sang like a bird when we got home, (laughs) um, to my parents and, um, so then my parents called Brother Treber about it. And I still have this letter that he wrote to my mom. And um, she said, I don't, what's going on? Why, what is this all about? Well, meanwhile, that day, the next day at school, they called us down to Brother Treber's office. So I was thinking like, okay, great. He's going to stand up for us. You know what I mean? And say, look, that was out of line and you're owed an apology. Yeah. So we get into brother Treber's office and he says, um, well, you know, Rich, Joni, if you weren't wrong, you wouldn't have run. Oh my goodness. Which means you would have gone to team soul winning and you would have done all the things that, you know, you were supposed to do. So then I, I just find this letter in my mom's belongings. Obviously, you know, that she's, you know, gone home to be with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And um, it's this letter written from Brother Treber to say, look, if they were not guilty, then they should have gone, you know, what they did all the time, every other day. And like, well, we had this yearbook meeting. You know, besides that man, do you know what he just accused us of? So Jack Treber knew that a youth pastor had two teenagers in his office by himself talking to them about sexual matters. Yes. And blame the teenagers Yes. For it. Okay. Yes. Yes. So then, and you know, you, do you mind telling the youth pastor's name? It was Mike Strofe. I mean, the whole world knows Mike Strofe's name at this point. And I just want to say to Mike Strofe, if he ever hears this, 
I just wish you knew how badly that you screwed me up for a long time. Mm-hmm. But you know what, Mike Strove? You don't hold a candle to Jesus Christ. And you know what? He saw every one of those little prayer meetings that we had in your office by yourself when the building was empty to pray that I would turn out right. And like, and all those questions that he heard you ask me and the things that he saw you do. Okay. So I just, I just, not one other person in this world may believe that, but God saw it. Mm -hmm. And so talk about redemptive work of Christ. So, so I was not, you know, in line to be the basketball captain by any means, any way, shape or form. You know, it's like you want to do those things. And I did try to play sports and I warmed a lot of benches. You know, I'm not ashamed to say that, you know, after leaving that toxic environment, I no longer am tying my sexual identity to how well I play basketball. You know what I mean? Right. Um, For all the short people out there. Yeah. That's a big deal. Or just just unathletic. You know what I mean? I'm just, just, that was not my thing. You know what I mean? And I'm I'm not here to say that it was in such a way that I would pray. I would never pray for my children's, my future children's um, salvation or spiritual matters. But when I was a teenager, I I wanted to have little children and be married and all that kind of thing. And but I would pray, you know, I just hope that they walk right and I hope that they talk right. And I because I never did and I was never accepted and I was always rejection, always this. And, you know, well, I, I, I did pretty well playing the piano, but, and I sang in a group and then all of a sudden they made a rule, you know, that teenagers can't do that until this other kid who was, he, yeah, he was more talented than I am. And I don't hold anything against him, but you know, it's, I don't know if it's because his mom was on the staff. I don't know why. I don't know why to this day, but then he was able to do all those things but then I wasn't, you know what I mean? And I don't know. It's just that constant tearing down. And so, you know, one time the, the youth pastor called me into his office, private meeting doors shut, you know, and he started asking me questions. And, you know, when you're talking to a 14 or 15 or whatever year old teenage boy, and you start asking him about masturbation, do you know what I'm saying? I mean, wh- what is he going to say? I mean, you're 14 or 15 years old. You know, who's going to say, oh, um, no, I've never <laughs> experimented yeah. with anything like that. You know, I don't know how much, you know, is appropriate well, to be on the show. You know, I don't but- know. I'm not a legal expert. I don't know if that's illegal. I don't know. I, I know it's illegal. I don't know if that's sexual harassment or not, but I do know that's called grooming. Yes. And in many states, grooming is a crime because... It's manipulation. So that's if people are listening and they want to know what grooming is, that's one thing that it is. You ask these questions of kids and stuff. Right. And then even if there's 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 just a lot of those things that that took place, you know, just a lot of instances like that. Um, but in that specific conversation, I remember him saying, well, you know, about just tearing me down, how deficient I was, how. I didn't do this right. I didn't do that right. And he said his last statement was, well, you're going to have to beg God for mercy for him to ever use you. Wow. And so I thought, well, if that's what God's opinion of me is, then okay. But I remember, I remember being at work at McDonald's and just begging God to change me so he could use me. Mm-hmm. And I remember going on bus route, begging God to change me so he could use me. And I remember, of course, everyone's a sinner and everyone needs to be, you know, changed by Christ. But you don't say that to a kid, especially a kid. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. No one's perfect, right? Everyone has things that they need to grow in. But you know what? I wasn't a rebel. I wasn't a troublemaker. So I just, you know, just keep your head low, shut up and you know, my sister knew something was up, but she's like, what's up? What's up? And I was like, uh, nothing. It's, it's nothing. Just, no, I'm fine. Nothing, you know, that kind of thing. But she always knew, you know what I mean? And she's like, you got to talk to mom and dad. My, I was not going to go talk to my mom and dad. Mm-hmm. I was just not going to do that. And I'm hoping that it's that 
that it's different with my children, but no, there's no guarantee of that either. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, um, and I feel like there was something that started with sincerity, but unchecked power always turns into abuse. Yep. 100% of the time. And there was a lot of abuse there. And there was a lot of different things about talking of, of a sexual nature in there, you know, and, you know, asking me, you know, does a man's body turn you on Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And like sitting in a specific way, I don't even know how to describe it, but it was almost suggestive, you know? And then I remember one instance we were on our senior trip and we were staying in this guest house across from Hiles Anderson. And I was going to take a shower and the youth pastor was like, let me show you how the shower works. You know I mean? There was very little water that comes out or whatever. And I was like, I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. Right. You know what I mean? And there was no one else really around at that time because it was the downstairs where everyone was staying. The shower was upstairs. So I don't, there's just things like that that just did not make sense. And he was not dressed when he came downstairs, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, and I'm not here to slam anyone or drag their name through the mud. That's already been done on social media and, and all that kind of thing. I'm not here for that, but I am here to say there are things that people carry around with them that did happen. And there were a lot of young people who got a whole lot worse of abuse than I got, mm. you know, a whole lot worse, you know? Um, and, and I mean, everyone knows you just Google it and it comes up and um, you know, the, the sexual abuse that has gone on there, you know what I mean? And never, a never a legal charge, nothing i'm talking about i mean it it was just really really bad in that era Mm -hmm. of time i graduated and then in the next year or so it was it got even worse it was just out of control you know what i mean i mean one of the teenage girls had a baby (laughs) with a staff member i mean it it was out of control and that was not the only staff member who was dismissed to those allegations but here's the thing Everything is an absolute secret. Mm. Everything is an absolute secret. You know, if there's a problem as a church, if I'm in sin as a pastor, I said, you know, and there's been that history in, in the church here where I'm pastoring of, of immorality in the pulpit. And I said to the, the, the church body, and we go over this frequently, if that is happening, shame on you. Because a lot of people knew it, but they didn't know what to do about it. I said, you blow the whistle mm-hmm. every time. There's just so little accountability. And there was, I mean, it was just, it was just rampant. You know what I mean? And, and no one could say anything. No one could do anything. We never questioned the authority. You know, you just go along with it and be a good church member, you know, and you keep giving your money. And my parents gave liberally for years and years and years and years, you know, my dad drove a, a bus for 25 years before he finally got into a fender bender while he was driving a church bus and said, okay, I'm done. I, I cannot be a liability. You know what I mean? Then he started driving the shuttle uh, bus, you know, back and forth from the shuttling lot. You know what I mean? So they served, they served the, my mom started a, a um, um, under the auspices of the church, but she started a, uh, a rest home ministry. There's a rest home directly next door to the, the older church property, she started that um, to visit the residents and bring them into a Sunday school class. And they supplied a, a teacher and all that kind of a thing, you know, because women can't teach anything, you know, because that would right. be usurping authority from mm-hmm. a man. Now let's, mm-hmm. let's go back to the scripture and, and decide what that actually means, but that's yep. okay. We'll stick with the traditional answer right now, yeah. you know? So <laughs> she wasn't the teacher, but you know, that ministry is still going on to this day, you know, almost 40 years later. Yeah. So, you know, my parents were good people. They were not perfect people. And, but the whole thing is, is that there was never any accountability for anything like that. 
But if a student did something, they were nailed to the wall, man. Or if you, I mean, anything, you step out of line in any way, shape or form. And so, I don't know. It was that way where you, you use the term grooming. It was absolutely that. It was absolutely that. It was very blatant too. Yeah. But that was when I was younger and I don't know what happened, but there was a time when I think I was, it was late in 10th grade, maybe, maybe starting 11th grade um, when it all stopped. Hmm. And instead of that, it was like utter disdain for me. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like aggressive ridicule. Like I remember one time the youth pastor was um, running a, a chapel service and Pastor Treber was there for that one. And we were at a different campus because the church was under construction. This was my senior year. And, you know, when I was a kid, I had big hair. I still kind of have big hair. You know what I mean? Right. wasn't trying to, both of them were balding. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not teasing anyone about that, you know, because that's what they did to me, not what I'm doing to them. Right. But I don't know. I say that to be like, okay, what was the big deal? You know what I mean? Um, it, it met the standard of the school. I remember one time that the, 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 when I was in 11th grade, the school secretary came out and said, um, you know, Mr. Strove said, you have to get your hair cut and you have to get all the curl cut out of your hair. Like, well, that's genetically impossible. (laughs) I got curly hair. What am I supposed to do? Be bald. Oh, that's right. No competition, you know? (laughs) Right. Um, And then that, that time he made me stand up in front of the student body. And he said, don't you think you need a haircut? And this is one of the times when, I was just about done. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But they always held it over your head. We'll expel you from the school. We'll, you know, and, you know, if you got expelled from the school, then certainly your salvation would be lost. You know what I mean? Yeah. All the fear and the intimidation. And I said, no. (laughs) And he said, so there was, I had a kind of a wave going on in the front of my hair kind of a thing. You know, I wasn't, it wasn't long. It wasn't unscriptural. It was being a teenager. I was trying to be cool. You know, I was not trying to rebel. I was just trying to be cool. I'm 17 years old. If you're not trying to be cool, you have other problems, you know? Right. And, um, and he said, so what's that on the front of your hair? Referring to like the wave of of my hair. What am I going to say? And I just said, it's hair. (laughs) What is the, what answer am I supposed, what am I supposed to pair it back to you? You know what I mean? And just that whole, and then, you know, I was in trouble because I embarrassed him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I was disrespectful to him. What about the disrespect that you just publicly humiliated me in front of everybody? But that didn't count because I wasn't the youth pastor. I wasn't yeah. the spiritual and I'm absolutely not meaning spiritual leader. You know what I mean? So it was an absolute lack of respect for human beings. So if I could just reach out to those kids and I don't know how it is now, I I don't know how it is these days, but I mean, it was one of the most narcissistic places I've ever experienced because, and then when guest speakers would come, you know, we would stand up and clap and, you know, decorate for chapel and all that kind of a thing. And, you know, and there was just certain people, you know, you would get rides for people. And, you know, if Brother Hiles would ever come to the church. It was just like, oh, we would shower the whole platform with with Reese's cups and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And all of this, you know, and it's just we had to perform just a certain way, you know, and we didn't, you know, I remember being on staff at that one church and I got my hair cut just at a wrong place at, or at, at a different place than I than I normally did. And it. I, I did not request a worldly haircut. You know, I mean, I was like, oh my God. Can you request a worldly haircut? Right. Yeah. And it was just a regular something like a supercuts or something like that. Well, it wasn't a barber shop. You know what I mean? Mm. The one that all the staff went to was closed. I had to get a haircut. We were in a conference, you know, like a God Save America kind of a conference. And, you know, the, the pastor then said, you go, do not come into this auditorium until you have the right kind of a haircut. Mm-hmm. I didn't even realize 
you know, because I played the piano in that ministry and, you know, I couldn't play the piano for Bill Burr to sing, you know, if I had a worldly haircut, because surely, I don't know, the piano would catch on fire. I don't know, whatever, (laughs) you know, but instead of saying, look, that's not what we're looking for. I mean, it's like this thing that I plotted out all these evil doings, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. As a means to control and like, you're really trying to do these things wrong and you're really trying to, you know, but there was, there was a lot of that, you know, that. And Treber would have witnessed all of this behavior, public abuse, verbal abuse, emotional abuse, public shaming. It wasn't a secret from him. No, it wasn't a secret. I don't know that he knew all of it or the extent but, but he could tell that this, yeah. I mean, he still knew the public. Oh, yeah. Things. It was a very unhealthy environment. I remember um, one time I was a junior in high school and in chapel, um, Brother Treber got up and said, you know, the class of 1988, I just don't feel like I have your heart. Oh, man. I'm that just like, class. I was devastated. I was absolutely devastated. You know, this was the one who, you know, one time I got called down to, brother Trooper's office. And I was like, what did I do? What did I do? I'm, I, I can hardly make it down the steps. Cause I'm so scared, you know, like no human should have that kind of power over you. Right. You know, I mean, talking about parents. Yeah. Your, your pastor. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I go in there, I, you know, and I, I was like, yes, yes. What, you know, he said, would you mind cleaning a bus for me um, for the adult, staff party christmas party making sure the the bus is nice and clean and i remember i felt so honored mm. it was just like wow he's trusting me to clean a bus hmm. and then i you know i had to call off work because i worked full time when i was in high school my last two years and so i called off work cleaned the bus and then it wasn't brother treber but it was another staff person the next day that said i thought you were going to clean that bus Mm. I was just like, I don't know what else I could have done except lick the floor. You know what I mean? Right. Kind of a thing. So, so you graduated. Did you, what's your experience with, with the church or Jack Treber after graduation? Well, um, during Bible college was a very tumultuous time for me because, you know, I went to Bob Jones for that first year and, you know, I just could not, get it out of my head that they didn't have a Sunday night church service there, Mm. you know, although every night, every single week, except for one, the, uh, the different churches would drive by and pick up the college students every single week. I went out there and went to church Mm. um, except for one. And I was sick that week. And and, and so I was, we, we were at a youth conference at North Valley that, that summer. And I just felt so much guilt. And of course, you know, the shame of not going to Hiles Anderson, you know? Right. And, you know, we had this thing and it was right about that time when, you know, the big scandal with Jack Hiles was going on and we made right. this huge video for him. Everyone's standing up and cheering. We love you. We love you. All this stuff. And I was just like, I can't be in God's will if I go back to Hiles or if I go back to Bob Jones, I had auditioned for a singing group to be in it. Like one of those traveling, they call them tour groups. Now mm-hmm. I was going to be part of that when I went back, all that kind of thing. You know, I was happy there. You know what I mean? Then I went to Hiles Anderson and just, it was more and even more aggressive of the exact same stuff, but it was even more of a double standard there. Mm. Then, you know, at North Valley, it was just the same thing, same thing all over again, moral problems or, Oh goodness. The, the moral degradation of some of the people there. And it was just like, you know, and they were the ones who were the hardest about standards and, and this and, and all that kind of a thing. And, um, you know, the whole mess of it, but then, you know, so many of them were being immoral, like sexually immoral. Right. You know, with students, with other staff. You're talking about the staff? Yeah. Yeah. And then getting up and preaching in the pulpit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was just, and I'm not here to, to smash them, but the whole system is a wreck because there's no accountability. Yeah. And it's 
so much human exalting that no one can can make it like that. No one can make it. You know, it, people are set up to fail. So it's just like after I was convinced that God was calling me to preach, which Matthew, you know that history. Uh, yeah. I was never ever ambitious for that. Um, but I was positive that God was calling me to that. The first thing I did was set up a system of accountability for myself. You know what I mean? Financial accountability, moral accountability. And, you know, my wife is, let me just say that right now. She did not grow up in that same flavor of mainstream fundamentalism. You know, this of, you know, super big churches, super big names. Yeah. And so, you know, when I was your youth pastor, was, you know, dragging you to all of these places, you know, off all of us with our matching suits and ties and all that kind of thing. Remember that? Oh, I remember it. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and all the, you know, and so here's why I'm sensitive to some of the people who are involved in this. Matthew and Mark, you both know that I loved you teenagers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I loved you guys. Yeah never meant any ill by anything that I was trying to do. So I know that a lot of those people are, but the system is wrong. It's just wrong. And, you know, the, the, the place where I heard the most about an actual authentic relationship with God, looking back at it was at Bob Jones, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, it was, it was at Bob Jones and cause they were talking about, you know, your spiritual relationship with God and connection with God. And, you know, of course you get ridiculed by independent fundamental Baptists for saying those things, but that's what they're missing. And when you move back all of the surface things and you peel everything back, then it's, um, then it is so freeing, not because you get to do a lot of things, we still do all the same stuff. Matthew, you've been a guest in my homes. We're doing the same things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for all the listeners out there who are yeah. waiting to criticize, my wife still only wears dresses, everyone. Okay. <laughs> my daughters, they don't wear pants. Okay. You know, so <laughs> there it is. But we don't hang our spiritual hat on that any longer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've done our very best to give our children. Um, a foundation of scripture and love of Christ, but also respect for other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the more that we, we think about this, it's that it's not, I can't even say that Jesus would be an independent fundamental Baptist like that. You know, yeah. at least he didn't conduct himself as one when he was on the earth, right. you know? So I don't know. I, I guess there's a higher call now more than worshiping people right. and, and your reputation with people. It's like, you know, what does Christ think of me with this? No. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, but you stayed in contact with Jack Trever after all through all I did. this. And to tell you the truth. So what's your take um, on him now or the past? You've stayed in, up until the past five years, at least you've, you've had contact with. Oh him. yeah. I, we haven't been as in close contact maybe in the last year, but you know, that's when I've really truly been going through this journey of going back and, really reliving this stuff and getting it out and, you know, on, you know, my way to wellness, you know what I'm saying? You know, that of course everything is either physical or spiritual. Well, we forget about the mental part of it. Mm -hmm. Man is made in three parts, but there's no room or allowance for that in most churches, you know? And I knew I was reading my Bible. I was trying to be a good pastor. I was trying to be a good dad trying to be a good husband, good testimony in the community, but there was still something that was very missing, you know, and there was a lot of mental unrest and I saw it manifesting in my kids, you know, Mm, in our family culture. So I was like, okay, hold the phone. we got to do something about this, you know? So I don't even know for a podcast, you know, if I'm, I'm being a little too open about this stuff, but if, if I'm struggling with it, someone else is out there, Absolutely. And to just tell them, Hey, you know, you're not alone out there. You're right. not alone. Well, you know? some, I, some people may say, well, that was, you know, that was the seventies and eighties, 
but Jack Treber's different now. He has a different ministry. What would you say to that? Well, I'm, I would just say I'm hoping that he does. But, but with no. your interactions in the past, since, you know, the 90s and 2000s. I would still say, you know, Brother Treber is my pastor for longer than just about anyone else. Or at least for those super formative years. And I still, I still love him. Still love his wife. You know, they're friends of mine. I don't know if, if they would call me a friend after, you know, this kind yeah. of a thing. But, you know, that is what happened there. You know, and I think that I'll say the, the, the positives about this is that um, that they're very moral people. Mm-hmm. I mean, to my knowledge, there's never been any kind of impropriety whatsoever in their marriage. Do you know what I'm saying? And I, and yeah. I think that that's very rare these days, you know. Right. And so, you know, I would say I'm giving credit where credit is due. Um, I feel like um, they've done, they've done, I feel like it's, it's been, they've done what they felt was really the right thing, but the system is jacked up. I think that going forward, there is still ultimate control there that, you know, it's not a church governing a church. It is, it's still very dictatorial. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And a lot of those people are happy for it to be that way. Yeah. Um, but I'm not that way. Well, yeah, we call it a, a bishop ruled church, a Episcopal right. church where the, where the bishop rules the church. And that's what an Anglican church is, the Catholic church is. Right. So you're and saying, I feel like there's, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of that. There's still that, and that pressure to fit in and be like everyone else and, if you, you don't fit in, you just don't make it. You just don't make it. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that the, the whole thing is, and I'm sure that Brother Trevor is accountable to a lot of different people in a lot of different ways, but still what he says, it goes. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I think that there's, you know, you open yourself up to a lot of criticism there, you know, uh, by even saying that. Yeah. You know? for there to be as little scandal with him personally is commendable, but it seems like it's repetitive and it's over and over. And it it wasn't just the one guy, you know, that was in there that did so much damage, which, and he's back in the church now as a church member. He's Um, back in North Valley. Yeah. As a church member. Yeah. Well, in my opinion, that negates pretty much everything. (laughs) Well, If, if you let an abuser back into the church where he abused children, that's all I need to know about your ministry. Right. Like he should be somewhere if he's re- rehabilitated or, or whatever, but to bring him back to where he did the damage to begin with, what, where's the concern for the people? Right. Uh, so you would say then from, and you like Jack Treber flew you out to California recently. He did. Um, I, I want to say it was probably about three years ago for the conference. Okay. So the, the, spiritual workers conference or what's it called yeah it was um a national pastors and workers conference yeah so he's still he's still so you know him personally yes he's still running the same kind of ministry now that he was running 30 years ago as far as his his philosophy his leadership style the well that's the the whole thing about you know not changing and don't remove the landmarks and holding people back and you know, the old time religion and all that kind mm-hmm. of thing. But my thing is that I, it's not the old time religion. Old time religion was the new Testament. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's not what it was about. That's not what Jesus ministry on the earth was about. And I'm not knocking about, you know, the people getting saved and the bus ministry and on all that. I love that. I do. Yeah. And I have a huge heart for that, but the gospel is also for the saved. And the gospel keeps working after salvation. The gospel is not one-time experience. You know what I mean? And that's so much of what it is, you know? And what about those people? I I, I mean, and I'm not here to do this, but I could name names of so many people who are just on the wayside who they, we just didn't make the cut. You know what I mean? Mm, Yeah. And, you know, there was a time when there was a time and it's, it's no longer but of the people who grew up at North Valley and graduated from North Valley 
like homegrown kids. I was the only person who was a pastor of a church. Hmm. And the, when I first went back, it was like, we want our stamp on him. We want this, we want that. And then I don't, I just don't, we want you to preach in chapel and all that, but then it never came. So I don't, you just never know. I mean, what, what is it? You know, what is yeah. it? And, you know, I don't have a vendetta about that. I didn't go seeking that. You know, I've never been like that. You know, I think that I've come to grips with the fact that there's never going to be that approval. Yep. There's always going to be those things that you have to change about yourself. But who is the one who gets to say who needs to do the changing? Yeah. You yeah. know? And in Jack Treber's ministry, he gets to say that. Well, yeah, naturally. Yeah. Yeah. I think the problem here is the people who do get caught, get kicked out, but the person who's responsible for the ministry that's allowing them to grow and, and minister and sort of creating this culture, he stays. Well, I mean, I think, I guess it depends on how you look at it. And I think I'm, I'm kind of weak on saying that, but you know, when there, there is some huge things that have gone on that someone needs to be accountable for. Yeah. And there isn't accountability there. There's only the accountability that brother Treber meets out. You know what I mean? And um, if, if you can pin it on someone else, then you pin it on someone else. I don't, you know, like, I don't even know what happens to everybody who leaves. They just disappear. They do. You disappear. Like one day you're there. And then the next day you're gone. There's a for sale sign in the front door and no one's home. House is empty. You know what I mean? Yeah. From my, from what I can hear, if you want to go to a ministry that's toxic, go to Jack Treber's ministry. That's what I hear. Like, Maybe he's not going to assault you, but he's certainly going to create an environment where you're going to be belittled, uh, abused, spiritually abused, possibly even sexually abused. Well, that was definitely my experience. So, and you know, I'm from way, way back. You know what I mean? Yeah. From way back there. I can't say, you know, you can go to a a church service, you can Mm. go to a conference and... And I mean, they do a great conference. I mean, they put on the Ritz, you know, um, yeah. they treat people well, you know, they're very welcoming. There's magnificent music there. And, you know, that's something that's very appealing to me, but you don't know what goes on when you're not there. Mm. And, you know, that kid who is not the prime, you know, that yeah. is one of the favored ones or, and, you know, they get, knocked down and bashed down or, you know, that overweight girl, you know, mm-hmm. she can't be a cheerleader because she's overweight or, you know, or they just don't fit that mold or whatever, because, you know, you got to be a jock or you got to be a cheerleader or maybe since it's a bigger environment now, maybe if you're exceptional at music or something, you know, then you can, you know, go, but then if you're not something like that, then you don't have a place. So yeah. therefore you're no good. So therefore you're not really worth anything which is really damaging. That's spiritually damaging because right. this is the, the fold of the saints where you're getting that message. You're not good enough. Well, then what? Am I not good enough? Why do you think so many people, not just from that ministry, but from so many ministries, you know, go because they're not just like us. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. that's what it's all about. Who was brought to some woman was dragged out of an adulterous bed in front of Jesus. And he said, I'm not going to condemn you. I'm going to forgive you. Right. You know what I mean? Come on, man. Even if the person is wrong, which a lot of them aren't wrong, but they're not allowed to be who they are. I'm not talking about living in, 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 in rampant sin or anything like that. I'm talking about be the person God made you to be, you know, well, you'll be good if you could just achieve this. And then you try to achieve that. And once you achieve that, then there's another carrot that's hung in front of your face. And then mm-hmm. once you achieve that, then there's another one. And then there's this cycle of self-deprecation that in your, in your um, formative years, it's so damaging. Mm-hmm. It's so damaging, you know, and it's just, it's so dangerous um, in a spiritual environment or a spiritual representative environment to experience not being accepted, you know, because then you turn that over into, you know, I can't tell you it's, it hasn't been a whole lot of years that I was finally convinced that when I get to heaven, God was not going to pull the rug out from under my feet. Mm. You know, I didn't do that right. Or I didn't do this right. 
And then realizing, well, the gospel is about Jesus Christ. It's not about me or what my contribution is to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Matthew, you, you have been in other ministries in which we have both been involved in Mm -hmm. and you couldn't do anything right there. Nope. Nothing. And I mean, you could work 48 hours a day and (laughs) abuse your family time and the whole thing. And still it wasn't good enough. Yeah. It's just so dangerous. That's it's, it's dangerous. There's, it's wrong it's just it's just wrong thank you for listening if you have any questions you can email us at podcast at historyandhope.com or message us on twitter at history and hope you can subscribe to the podcast on itunes stitcher spotify or any podcast app of your choice